0: Take your Bibles and turn with me, please, to the book of Psalm, chapter number 34. Psalm, chapter number 34. We're not going to read there yet. Just put your finger in that place. It's the only place we're going to go. Psalm, chapter 34. I want to bring you a message this morning that I questioned the Lord on several times, and he said, this is where I want you to go. Now, what has been happening here in our church since before we had revival, was God has been meeting with us. We've had some great services, and the Spirit of God has just moved in such a way. And and I wanted to just stay on that evangelistic revival-type preaching podium, and God said this week, no, you're going back to being a pastor, and I want a pastoral message. So I'm going to bring you a message this morning on the beauty of brokenness, the beauty of I've broken this. Boy, it's just the opposite of what we've been looking at, what, the way we've been preaching the last few weeks, and that's why I question the Lord. But undoubtedly, with the song and the singing, this is exactly what He wants. Let's go to Him in prayer. Father, we we know what You've told us to do, and I pray now You'd open our hearts. I pray, Father, you'd pour in your spirit. I pray you'd move in our services this morning. Do something unusual this morning in a profound way. And I pray we'd leave this place uh, better. We'd leave this place not like we came, but we'd leave it more like the Lord Jesus Christ. For it's in his name we pray. Amen the beauty of brokenness. You say, preacher, what kind of a title is that? Is there any beauty in being broken? Have you ever been just broken over a situation? You've been broken over a loss. You've been broken over an event in your life, and the tears flow, and the sadness comes, and it's just like you're just down and dispirited in presence. Is there any beauty, preacher, in a broken heart? Is there any beauty in a broken life, in a broken spirit. I mean, the truth is we all want to be on top all the time. Amen? I like being on top. I like being on top of the mountain. I like having that winning attitude and that winning smile. I don't like second place because second place is first loser. Amen? But listen, there are times the answer to that question, is there any beauty in a broken heart? And the answer to that question is yes, there is a spiritual beauty at times in being broken. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter number 2, verse number 10, Paul said this, therefore I take pleasure in infirmities. Now understand what he's saying. He mentions five things here. He said, I take pleasure in number one, infirmities. Number two in reproaches or disgraces in number three in necessities. number four in persecution. number five in distresses for Christ's sake for when I am weak then I am strong. George likes to be strong. George likes to have a good strong flesh and a good strong attitude and a strong body and a strong will and a strong mind. But Paul said this, I praise God and I pleasure in infirmities and and reproaches, necessities and distresses. Does anybody want to stand and praise God for distresses? Paul said, I do because I understand what those things do in my life for me spiritually. Can I hear somebody say amen? Oftentimes, when we're running strong, we're winning. We are got, we've got that winning attitude. Everything is falling into place. I mean, boy, your ministry's doing good, or your job's doing good, or your career, or your bank account's doing good. Listen, the truth is, and y'all can duck under the seat if you want to, but the truth is when life is going that good, we get so stinking proud and arrogant that God can't stand us. Amen. That's the truth. And it's the truth from the pulpit to the porch. Pride. Listen, we get arrogant. Let me tell you something. God is never, ever near an arrogant, egotistical, narcissistic, haughty attitude. Amen. Amen, preacher. And sometimes he breaks us to get rid of that. I believe that God hates pride more than he hates immoral sin. Somehow we think of drinking as immoral and sin, and we think of adultery as an immoral sin, and we think of sexual sins, and we think of lust and envy, and, but listen, the first on the list that God hates is pride. Amen. And somehow we don't think of pride as being immoral, but God puts it on the top of the list of immorality. Amen, Amen preacher. And most Christians may not practice those things that we consider immorality, and yet some of us can get very haughty at times. Amen. And so God allows things in our life to get rid of the pride. It was pride that caused Satan to fall. Behind all rebellion is pride. The Bible says that only through pride cometh contention. You got a problem with a coworker? Is there contention in your home? Is your marriage on rocky ground? Uh, is there problems at work, problems at school, problems in society? The Bible says there's only one reason behind that, and it is pride. Amen. Only through pride cometh contention. Amen. Sometimes when I sit down to counsel with people, I've thought about doing this. Take me a little stick and carve into that little stick pride. And as I counsel a couple, or or, what, or whatever the situation is, I'm, I would like to say, hmm, wonder who's going to get rewarded the pride stick, and the person that I did I detect in that counseling session that just won't come down off of their high horse. That just says it's my way or the highway. I'd like to hand them that stick and say, wait a minute, I think I've discovered the source of the problem. Only through pride cometh to tent. Contention. Listen to me carefully. God would rather see us broken and in tears that he might use us, that he might draw himself closer to us. God would rather see us broken with a relationship with him than on haughty ground walking in proud territory. Somebody say amen. Sometimes God breaks things that he might fix them. In Genesis chapter 7, the Bible says in the 600th year of Noah's life, the same day were all the fountains of the great deep broken up. You know why God broke the earth? You know why God broke the fountains of the great deep and flooded the earth and destroyed the earth? He broke it that he might start over again new, amen. Sin. You say, preacher, he broke the earth because of sin. He sure did, but he broke the earth that he might start again new. God saw that the sin of man and violence, the Bible said, had filled the earth uh, and God wanted to put In this earth, a fresh start. That sets a precedent for the rest of the scripture. It's the broken things that God fixes, amen. Let me say that again. It's the broken things that God fixes. Jesus said, I came not to call the righteous but sinners to repentance. If your life is broken by sin, God wants to put it back together, amen. If your life is broken by circumstances, God wants to put it back together. Let me tell you something. There is nobody like God that can put things back together. Amen. He can put your life, he can put your family, he can put your circumstances back in order. He says this. Jesus said, don't you miss this. Jesus talks about himself being the stone. The stone cut out without hands. And he says this. Whosoever shall fall, All upon this stone shall be broken, but whosoever it shall fall, it will grind him to powder. What a saying is that, what kind of saying is that, preacher? I'm going to tell you something. If you'll fall at the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ, broken in spirit with tears coming out of your eyes and cry out to the God of heaven through the Lord Jesus Christ and be broken in your heart, broken over your sin, broken over your relationship with God, uh, the Lord Jesus Christ. Still heal you, friend. Amen. But if we refuse, if we haughty ourselves and stiffen our neck and say, and hook our thumbs in our spiritual suspenders and say, "I'll do it my way," the Bible says that stone will fall on him and grind him to powder. Right. I don't know about you, but I know which one I would, which side of God I'd rather see. Amen. So the Bible says this. Look, you I had you turn to Psalm thirty-four? Look at verse number eighteen. The Bible says in Psalm thirty-four, eighteen, the Lord is nigh or near unto them that are of a what? Say that with me. A broken heart. And he saveth such as be of a contrite spirit. Is God near you this morning? If he's not, it may be there's pride in your life. It may be that if God is not near you, that he plans to break you in some way, that he might be near you. The Bible says he's near to them that are of a broken heart, and he saves such as be of a contrite spirit. A contrite spirit is this, one that is remorseful. It is one that is sorry, or regretful, or repentant. I don't know about you, but I want God to be near me, amen. And the truth is this, you hear me, no one will ever be saved until they become broken over their sin. No one will ever be saved until they become contrite or remorseful, regretful, and repentant over their sin. The Bible says in Proverbs, seest thou a man who is wise in his own conceits? That means he's proud, he's arrogant, he's wise, he's conceited. The Bible says, see thou a man that is wise in his own conceits? There is more hope of a fool than him. What's that mean, preacher? That means there's more hope for the drunk down here in the gutter. There's more hope for that person living under a bridge with needle tracks. There's more hope for the person in the casino. There's more hope for a person serving in a gang this morning uh, than there is for a wise person who is wise in their own conceits. Arrogant. Wow. Boy, that really settles it, doesn't it? Listen, we are the most useful to our Heavenly Father when we are broken. When our eyes are filled with tears, sometimes uh, it's hard to be haughty, is it not? It's hard to be proud. It's hard to be arrogant when the tears fill your eyes and your heart is breaking. Sometimes God fills our eyes with tears uh, that He might fill our heart with His Holy Spirit. Let me say that again. Sometimes God fills our eyes with tears that he might fill our heart with his Holy Spirit. Amen. What do you do when you break a horse? What do you do when you break, you tame the wild spirit of the horse? You take an animal like like a, a large horse, you tame that untamed spirit and you make him useful. There's... When you look at that horse, there's potential in that animal. He's strong. He's beautiful. We admire his, his strength. We admire his beauty. But you have to break his spirit in order to utilize that horse. Amen. There's so much potential. You tame that wild beast in order that it becomes a blessing. You can harness him. You can work him. You can use him. You can utilize him. Amen. The first horse I ever owned had a blazed face. That thing was mean as a snake. And that thing would kick you, it would buck you, you couldn't ride it, I don't care what you did, you could feed it one minute and pet it one minute and it would knock you down the next. Uh, I mean, that, that horse was just, it was a hay burner. It was absolutely useless. I could not develop a relationship with that horse. And then I finally got some horse sense. Horse sense, there's a whole, there's a whole definition to that. And I traded that thing for a little babe. Babe was a black horse and boy she was beautiful. I mean she was muscles ripped the law over her. Her neck was about that wide at the top, but babe had been broken. And babe was broken right. And I could go down at the barn, I didn't even need a saddle. I didn't even need a bridle. I'd grab a hold of her halter. And if you don't know anything about horses, a halter doesn't even go in her mouth. It just goes around. I could grab that halter, swing up on her bare back. I could ride her and she was so gentle. She was so sweet. You talking about a relationship now. I had a relationship with that horse. I mean, I curried her. I fed her. I could walk behind her. I could swing under her belly. I could do anything I wanted and babe was just as sweet as she could be. You know why? She'd been broken. And God wants that relationship with us. Amen. And sometimes God has to break our stubborn will. Boy, you don't like this kind of preaching, do you? (laughs) Sometimes God has to break our stubborn will and put us in circumstances until we surrender to His will. Somebody say, Amen. Yes, sir. And so, babe, was a blessing. And that's what God wants to do, that he might have a relationship with us. The more dispirited we become, sometimes the more useful we become to God. You know, I was talking about the earth. Sometimes you have to break something to start over again. Sometimes you have to go backwards to get forward. Amen. If you pull in your garage, you can't go forward. You've got to back up to get out. Amen. And sometimes life backs us up. We have a neighbor, we love him to death. He was the coach down there in Lebanon. And, and uh, Jess was down there at his building, and, and Doc went in there to, uh, to, get, to get on his lawnmower. And all of a sudden, the back of the building just busted open, and Doc busted through the back of the building with his lawnmower. And Jess said, Doc. He said, yeah, man. He said, Doc, are you okay? He said, yeah, man. He said, what happened, Doc? He said, I thought I had that thing in reverse. Sometimes you've got to go backward to get forward. Sometimes our flesh has to be moved out of the way. Sometimes it's best for God to break our wheels uh, and wash our eyes. The old song says this, uh, he washed my eyes with tears that I might see. Pastoral message, amen. Some of the greatest witnesses for the Lord Jesus Christ have not come from the pulpit with a strong preacher. Some of the greatest witnesses for the Lord Jesus Christ have come from the sickbed of someone suffering with a disease. Right. And God has broken them, and they have a witness, and they're willing that brokenness has allowed their witness to come out. Oh my, they have a sweeter spirit. They have a closeness to God. Imar Dehan said it like this. Uh, he said, we have no right to, d- to believe that God will do anything with our lives until he has broken us. He went on to say something very deep, and I, I'm going to give it to you. He said this, man's disappointments are God's appointments. Let me say that again. He said, man's disappointments are God's appointments. Appointments, tragedies, are a blessing in disguise. They are God's opportunity to express His love and His grace. A life that has been afflicted is the most effective. You know, we can easily praise the Lord for the roses in life. Boy, I sometimes I count my roses. <laughs> I mean, boy, I praise God for the roses in my life. But it's hard to praise God for the thorns. Amen. We ought to praise God for the thorns. Thorns keep us wary. Thorns teach us the lessons of life. It was the sin that brought on the thorns to this world. Thorns crowned the head of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thorns are God's way of testing and trial and God, listen, sometimes allows these things in our life that he might make us when we get through the thorns and we get up the stem and we get to the rose. God makes us more appreciative of the beauty of that rose amen preacher you take a plow i just recently did that the ground what happens to listen your heart and my heart through life and circumstances will get hard amen you say not mine oh i don't care how much of a softy you are you'll get hard at times and through the winter that old garden out there, it gets just as hard and packed. I don't even know how it does it. I guess just the settlement of the earth. And in the springtime, I have to sharpen the plow. I have to sink it deep into that soil and, and turn that loam, that undersod up and turn the weeds down so it'll kill the weeds and bring up some fresh soil. Hey, that is exactly what God does in our lives at times. Uh, he takes the plow and runs long furrows in our life and he takes the harrow and he brings a, the, the, the undersod up so it might be soft and so it might produce. Uh, And sometimes the plow of God cuts deep in our life. And we think, Lord, how much deeper are you going to plow? How many more acres are you going to plow? But God is doing that in our lives that he might see produce and see our lives productive for him. Somebody say amen. amen. It's exactly what he's doing. It's the soft ground that's easily cultivated. It's the soft ground that's easily planted. It's the soft ground that's aerated and produces more corn and beans and potatoes. uh, And God likes to work in soft ground. Amen. I think of this. I've built some banjos in my life. And I take a piece of wood and I begin to cut it. And I begin to drill it. And some holes I drill all the way through it. And some holes I just drill part of the way in it. And sometimes I cut a slot down the middle so it accepts a truss rod internally that you don't even see. And you drill it for the screw holes, for the truss rod cover. Listen. What if that piece of wood would, would say, could speak and say, why are you cutting me? Uh, I was once a beautiful tree and, and why are you taking me and cutting pieces off me? And why do you have to drill all the way through me and cut a slot all the way down me? And I would say to that banjo, because as a piece of wood, you're worth about $10. But as a banjo neck, you're worth about $1,200. $1,200. Sometimes God puts his workmanship into us that he might add value to our life. Amen. Amen. And it's not easy when God is cutting on you and drilling on you and you don't understand what he's doing, but he's adding value and placing value in our lives. I like what old Charlie Redcastle said one time. He built guitars many years ago before I started building banjos. And I said, Charlie, how do you build such a beautiful guitar He said, I just take a piece of wood and I cut away everything that doesn't look like a guitar. You know what God's doing in our life? He's cutting away everything that doesn't look like Jesus Christ. And sometimes he has to cut a big chunk off at times. And sometimes he has to drill. But he's making us more alike. Christ, when God visits us with sorrow and heartache and grief, He's merely making us more like Christ. We learn in those times to be more conscientious, we learn in those times to be more sympathetic. We learn in those times how to treat others and, and how to walk in their shoes and have empathy. Amen. The godliest people that I know, listen to me carefully, the godliest people that I know are people who have been broken. Amen. They appreciate what they have. It's the gripers and complainers, on the other hand, uh, that have been handed everything on a silver platter. Amen, Amen preacher. They don't know what it's like to suffer. They don't know what it's like to have compassion. They don't know what it's like to be conscientious of others. I found another profound statement. I like sunshine. Hey. I like sunny days. Hey. Man, I hate them rainy days. Oh, my goodness. I get so bored. I told you this before. I go from window to window. I mean, I'm a person that li- I like physical activity. I like to stay busy. And rainy days put me inside. Sometimes they drive me crazy. But let me tell you something. I found a very profound statement. It's been wisely said that sunshine all the time, sunshine all the time, makes for a desert. Sunshine all the time makes for a desert. It takes dark days to see greenery. It takes rain and clouds and storms, and dark days are just as important as sunny days. Wow. <laughs> Without the dark days, there's no hydration for the soils. There's no rivers. There's no streams. There's no, there, there's no aquifers for us to drink out of. There's no lakes to have recreation in. Without the, listen to me. The dark days are just as important as the sunny days. God allows the dark days in our life to bring us closer to the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me tell you something. The purpose of God is not just to save us and keep us out of hell and to keep us from the judgment of God and the condemnation of God. God saved us to make us like Christ. And the Bible says that it pleased him to make the captain of our salvation perfect through suffering. He's making us more like Christ. The Bible says for whom he did foreknow, he did also predestinate to be conformed unto the image of his son. Let me tell you something. The Bible says you are not predestined to be saved, but you are predestined to be made like Christ. To whom he did foreknow, he did also predestine to to be conformed unto the image of his Son. I'm going to close the message. In Mark chapter 14, a woman brings an alabaster box full of ointment. (laughs) She's been a sinner. Her life has been broken. She knows what it's like to, to be on the bottom of society. She knows what it's like to be addicted to sin. She knows what it's like to just have the most broken life you can imagine. And yet she also knows what it's like to be saved Amen. Right. and to have those sins forgiven. And to have hope in Jesus Christ. She also knows what it's like to have a relationship with the Savior who forgave her. A Savior who loved her. A Savior who drew himself close to her in her time of deepest need. She knows what it's like and she loves him. The Bible says she brings an alabaster box full of precious ointment. And she anointed the head of the Lord Jesus Christ as he said at meat in Simon's house. This alabaster box, the Bible says, would have been worth a year's wages. Now, I don't understand that. I I really don't. I don't understand how I could work for a year to buy one alabaster box with perfume in it. That seems pretty extravagant to me. It seems pretty frivolous to me. But in that day, they valued those things so much. And she brought the most valuable thing in her life to the Lord Jesus Christ, an alabaster box. That alabaster box was made out of marble, sealed with a wax seal. The only way to get rid or to to remove the, the perfume, the ointment on the inside was to break that box. And she brings the most valuable, the most important thing in her life. She brings it to the Lord Jesus Christ. She willingly breaks it open and pours it over His head. That's love. That's commitment. That's devotion. This was a picture of a woman who was giving it all. This woman was a sinner and now wants to express her love. Let me give you four things this shows us, and we'll close. First of all, she gave the Lord all she had. Somebody asked me a question the other day. (laughs) I forget, somebody called me. I forget who it was. And they said, Now, uh, uh, we've got some widows that are on Social Security in our church, and, and should they tithe? We've had that discussion. I said, Well, let's go to the Bible. I said, Jesus watched a widow who was, had a very meager living, and the Bible says she went by the temple, and she cast in two mites, which was everything she had. And Jesus looked at that woman who did that, and he said, she gave more than them all. She gave more than the rich men who were dumping their pockets. She gave more than those who were wealthy, who were donating to the temple. She gave what she had. I said, I think by that example, we need to bring our best to Jesus no matter what age we are. This woman with this alabaster box, she gave him all she had. And she opened that alabaster box in such a way there's no going back. Now let me plow right there. Christian, you know what you need this morning? If you miss everything else in this sermon, you need a fresh commitment to Jesus Christ So much that there's no going back. No going back to that lifestyle. No going back to that sin. No going back to that fleshly, carnal, backslidden life. You need a fresh commitment to Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Number two, she didn't care about what others would say. The disciples themselves would even look at her alabaster box and look at the ointment and say, well, why wasn't this sold for a lot of money? And we could have given that money to the poor. Jesus said, you boys, hush. She did this for my burying. He was going to the cross. Hey, you know what she did? She didn't care what the big preacher said about it. Amen. Amen. She didn't care what the big evangelist said. She didn't care what Dr. So-and-so said about it. She was going to give the Lord Jesus her best, her commitment, her devotion, her love. The most valuable thing she had didn't matter what anybody said. Number one, there's a commitment. No going back. Number two, there's a not caring of what anybody says. Number three, she set an example to us. To give our best to the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. So often we give what's left over. Well, I'll do this. Me and Brian already had this discussion this morning. I might just get on your toes a little bit. Well, I'll do this on Wednesday. And then if there's enough time left over, I'll go to church. Won't you give the Lord your best? You know what your best is? Get up on Wednesday morning or better than that. plant it on a Tuesday. Amen. Hey, I want to give the Lord my best. I want to be faithful. Amen. Right. Listen, the truth is this, this this is just a plain old truth. If we as a church, if all of us were here, committed, devoted to the Lord Jesus, every time a, every every Sunday, every time the doors was open, this church wouldn't hold us. Right. It looked like Easter Sunday every Sunday. And and I, you know, I was raised my in a home where we were but taught to be faithful to the house of God. My wife was raised in a home where she was taught to be faithful to the house of God. To be devoted to the Lord Jesus Christ. And when we married for 40 years now, our home has been faithful to the Lord Jesus Christ. That, it's not an option. Wednesday night, Sunday morning, it's not an option. We're going to be in the house of God. Amen. We're going to give him our, I'm talking about giving him our best. Amen. When the paycheck comes in, we're going to give him our best. We're not going to spend. uh, You say, preacher, you don't preach on money much. Well, I'm going to hit it for a minute. We don't spend and pay all these bills, and then if there's any left, over, we give it to the Lord. We give him the first fruits. The Bible says to give him the first fruits of your labor. Lord, this is, we are, and the Bible says the Lord loveth a cheerful giver. You know what we ought to do? Hey, Amen. Y'all could smile a little bit because this is the truth. When we get our paycheck, we ought to say, Lord, you gave me the strength to earn that. Lord, you gave me the mind and the will to work. You gave me the health. And Lord, I'm going to give you right off the top what is yours. Amen. 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 what to be taught that from scripture, huh? <laughs> She gave him everything she had. She didn't give him her leftovers. She gave him her best. I'm going to tell you something. I'll look you dead in the eye and tell you he deserves your best. Lastly, let me ask you a question. What's your alabaster box? Something that you've been... You've got it sealed, it's beautiful, there's anointment in it, and you've just been waiting. Watch your alabaster box. Something very valuable in your life that you wouldn't give to the Lord. Something very valuable that you wouldn't surrender to Him. Oh, you you'll go to church and you'll do this and that. But, but yet there's something in your life that you need to lay at the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ. What is it? What's that thing that you're withholding from the Lord. What I'm going to close with this saying, we need, and I say we, we need as a church, as a people, and individuals, we need a fresh commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ. You say, preacher, is there any beauty in brokenness? Absolutely. Is there any beauty when we cry? Absolutely. Is there any beauty when we're dispirited and down? Absolutely. The Bible says this He hath torn and He will heal. If God's ripping your life up, it's for a purpose to heal it, to touch it, to make it better, to make it fruitful, to make it productive. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Would there be one here this morning that say, Preacher, that's where I'm at? There's things in my life that I'm just broken over. Tears, heartache, sorrow, trouble. Preacher, I've got that in my life. Would you pray for me? Would you slip up your hand quickly? God bless you, God bless you new. you, God bless you, God bless you. Preacher, there's things in my life that are troubling me, heartaches. I'm going to ask you to bring it to Jesus this morning. The altar's open if you need to come. Why don't you be like the woman as we close the message who brought it all to Jesus and laid it at His feet. And boy, don't you know, Jesus said this of her testimony. He said, Wherever the gospel's going to be preached, the message of this woman's going to be preached also. Wow. 2,000 years later, we're still preaching the message of that woman who brought her best to Jesus. Along with the preaching of the cross and Calvary and salvation, the blood of Christ, we're still preaching what that woman did for the Lord Jesus. The Bible says he's torn and he'll heal. He said, Job said this, When he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. God's broken you to get your best. God's broken you to make you more valuable. God's broken you. That he might have a deeper, more meaningful relationship with you. The Bible says all things work together for good. Amen. To them who love the Lord and who are thee called according to his purpose. Amen.